0: Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 10% Happier Early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Okay, so we're doing another uh, emergency podcast. Last time was around the elections. The topic at this time is the holidays. So uh, we've got our um, the group of people that you call when it's 911 time. Uh, so let's start with uh, the newest guest uh, on the podcast, Kate Johnson, Kate, hi. Hi. Kate teaches mindful yoga in New York City at the public school in the public schools and Buddhist meditation at the Interdependence Project, although she just said, I don't even know if I'm a Buddhist, which is, makes her a perfect Buddhist in my mind. Um, she also holds a BFA in dance from the Alvin Ailey School at Fordham University, which undoubtedly makes her very fun at holiday parties.
1: Yeah, I'm a winner. <laughs> you can move.
0: Uh, David Gellis is here. Hey, David. Hi. David is a reporter for the New York Times. He, this is his third appearance on the podcast. Because I love him so much Um, He runs a section at the Times called Meditation for Real Life Which is awesome And he also wrote a a great book called Mindful Work uh, Available at fine bookstores everywhere And then Sharon Salzberg is here How are we doing?
2: I'm doing good, how are you?
0: Doing great This is your third time on the podcast too This is like a new podcast For both of you to be on here three times Means (laughs) some sort of Payola happening. Um, (laughs) Sharon is uh, one of the co-founders of the Insight Meditation Society. She's the author of Real Happiness and Real Happiness at Work and the forthcoming Real Love, which comes out in June, which I'm reading right now and is great. And we're going to be hearing a lot more about that in this space. And she's also uh, one of the guiding teachers on the 10% Happier app. So we're talking about holiday stress, and this is like a serious issue for lots of people uh, at this time of year. There's a whole bunch of areas where people get freaked out: office parties, family parties, dealing with your kids, talking to your family members about politics, traveling, shopping, money, giving and receiving, expectations, setting resolutions. So there's a lot to talk about, and we'll just go through it in no particular order. But Sharon, when you think about holidays, the things that people get stressed about during the holidays, what comes to mind? What do you think is the what do you think are the top issues?
2: Well, it's actually something David brought up when we were just chatting before, which is expectations. I think and thwarted expectations, and and a kind of almost like it's a, it's a really intense word. It's something I'm I'm very interested in. It's almost a kind of humiliation. Hmm. I don't have enough. I can't give enough. I'm not enough in the eyes of these people who I only see once a year. Um, you know, and and we we put so much pressure on ourselves. Others put so much pressure on us, and and to sort of move away from that to extent one can and feel centered in who we are and uh, be kinder to ourselves and kinder to others is um, is a big movement and I think is tremendously empowering and transforming and what we need to do because when you really think about it, it's like, oh, this is the one time a year we're all going to be together. I better forgive or, you know, get forgiven or uh, do the right thing or say the right thing and it's a lot.
0: So you have a a guided meditation on expectations that's up for free on the 10% Happier app. And also, I think we're going to post it in this podcast stream, too, so everybody can use it. But So how can we use meditation or mindfulness to deal with the issues that you just talked about?
2: Well, I think anytime we're aware enough to see an assumption arise in our minds, to see the self-talk, basically, we can uh, step back enough to see it as a thought rather than Having internalized it so deeply and taken it so to heart, then uh, we can relinquish it and and be happy, you know, and, and happy in who we are. And it's just a question of being aware enough to see it quickly, and having enough kind of flexibility of mind so that when we see it, we don't freak out, like "Oh my God!" You know, I've been meditating all this time, and it's still here.
0: David, you before we started recording, Sharon referenced this. You you zeroed right in on the issue of expectations. What what, what comes to mind when when that issue uh, is raised for you.
3: If you think about what so many people do during the holidays, they create this idealized like Hallmark card Norman Rockwell version of what their lives are supposed to look like yeah, for the I next couple of days yeah. or like and and it's absurd because you're locked in a room, it might be snowing outside with your family and there's like lots of alcohol and that's not a recipe. <laughs> <laughs> for, for normalized, calm relations. And so the pressure we put on ourselves, to use Sharon's phrase, um, to fulfill this expectation that somehow the next spell and these events, be it the, the travel I go through and the dinner party and the opening of presents uh, is all going to unfold in this seamless, you know, made-for-television way with, like, soft candle lighting and snow falling outside. That's just not real life. It's just not that's our lives are never like that and they're never going to be like that on command during the holidays. Um, So, again, if we can find ways to let go of those expectations, I think that's a great first step to just loosening our grip. Uh, uh, on this you know, kind of temporary psychosis that much of the world goes through over the next couple of weeks
0: I think you describe it brilliantly you, since you're the impresario of this awesome new section of the times of meditation for real life what, how, could, how do you apply meditation to deal with this problem that you, so, uh, uh, you describe so well
3: Well, meditation, I think especially in in a room full of Buddhists, can have a very kind of specific and and almost rigid feel to it. I mean, a lot of times when we hear meditation, we think like sitting on a cushion, formal practice. I think it's important to be a lot more limber in the next couple of weeks because it's it's not as if, you know, if your Aunt Diane starts screaming at you, that you can just like hit the cushion right away.
0: Hurl yourself into the lotus position. Yeah, not going to happen.
3: Not going to happen. So how can we be um mindful in our relations with one another and in our in our relations with ourselves. So the, the title of the section is, yes, meditation for real life, but you rarely hear us giving kind of formal meditation instructions. Instead, what you'll find in the section, and we've done some holiday specific ones and there are more to come, um, is really an invitation to be a, a bit gentler with yourself and a bit gentler with those around you. Uh, so we did one about how to be mindful at the Thanksgiving table. And it was um, some you know simple tips about being m- mindful and grateful of some of the sensory experiences around you but also of of just being um, kind and compassionate to those around the table to try to kind of reduce the interpersonal stress levels. Even if they're pissing you off. E- even if they're just... They're, especially if they're pissing you off. Especially, yeah. that's exactly right. Um, tomorrow morning, uh, actually it'll probably be posted by the time this uh, podcast is live, Tara Brock tells us how to be mindful with your in-laws.
0: Right, so Tara Brock is a famous meditation teacher based out of D.C., so she's going to be doing one of your... Uh, well, a column that by the time this thing posts will already be up on the internet. Uh, how to be mindful with your in-laws? So, what does she say?
3: Well, I don't want to. I don't want to speak for her, and I'm not reading it um, uh, now. Though I, I could, I could pull it up in just a minute. Uh, but essentially, I think you'll hear the same thing from her. It's an invitation um, to let go of some of those expectations of perfection. And and if if I have any theme going into this holiday stretch, it's to 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 let go. Of the expectations of perfection,
0: I love that. Kate, what stresses you out the most about the holidays?
1: <laughs> uh, well, you know, um, I actually really love the holidays. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was trying to scan my mind for you know the things that are I find the most stressful. I think, um, I, I mean, I really relate to this theme about about expectations and the way that um, I occasionally catch myself. Constructing a, a past that didn't actually happen with a family that that didn't always you know, ever look like a um, a Norman Rockwell family, um, and uh, I have found meditation to be incredibly helpful with working with that. That often, if I'm able to let go of my expectations, I find myself more available for for what is actually there which is a lovely family it's a wacky family it's a spirited family it's a family where we we don't cook very well and where we, you know we burn things and yeah we, we pick at each other but um we love each other you know and so to be able to um, access you know the care that is is actually available rather than demand that it comes in a particular package has been really helpful for me
0: I love that you said that you love the holidays. I think that's a really important point that I probably should have hit right off the top. Which is I love the holidays, too. It's, it's a great time of year. It is also stressful. I mean, yeah. it is, uh, it's heightened in every way. Um, so thank you for saying that. You talked a little bit about this, but I'd love to probe a little further. Mm-hmm. Where do you find meditation coming in most useful during the holidays.
1: Yeah, well, and this is a, I mean, what I do find somewhat stressful is that when I'm going to visit family, there is not, um, you know, a meditation corner like there is in my New York City apartment where I have my flowers set up and my, you know, I can drink tea and wander over to my cushion in a leisurely way. Um, You know, one year, (laughs) my sister and I woke up at 7am to my mother, you know, blasting holiday carols and, um, and baking already downstairs. So, I think the um the deficit of private time is something that I struggle with in terms of maintaining a daily meditation practice and um I love what you said David about flexibility that it might not be the 45 minute practice that I that I do at home it might be um you know, five minutes when I wake up and pretend I'm still sleeping in the morning mm-hmm. <laughs> before my, my mm-hmm. you know, nieces and nephews come in. It might be um, offering to wash the dishes and really feeling the, the sensation of the warm water and looking out the window. So um, taking those small moments to actually check in with my, my sensory experience and kind of drop into a, a, a little bit of a, a slower pace helps me find um, some private space even when a, in a busy kind of family situation.
0: That's great. I, I want to just, what you said is great i mean i want to um get you to talk a little bit, even more about it so if i'm a casual meditator i'm i'm just trying to put myself in the position of wh- whoever might be listening to this right, right, right. so if i'm a interested in meditation either i'm listening because i'm aspiring to do it or i do it sometimes or even if i'm a committed meditator that tip that you just gave which is you know maybe volunteer to do the dishes or volunteer to do something that may seem menial but if actually you're paying attention to it that can be a, a huge source of kind of refreshment.
1: Yeah. I well, probably
0: won't be volunteering to do the dishes nonetheless, um, <laughs> but I think it's a really good idea. Well, I think idea.
1: that's part of it. I mean, not, um, not that, you know, we all have to turn into um, like goody two shoes at the holidays, but I think there's something also about um, taking an opportunity to be of service wherever we are that can be, um, you know, maybe it's not a traditional mindfulness practice um, or, you know, it might be, I just don't know it, but the idea of, you know, taking some time to, rather than say, um, you know, how can I get what I want out of the situation to say like, well, let me watch your kid and, you know, hold them for a little while while you take a walk with your partner or, um, you know, those times I think can be, um, you know, double duty, like mindfulness opportunities for me and also opportunities to give my, you know, sister or mom a break.
0: I love that too. And, and um, it reminds me of the quote I, I mentioned all the time on the show is, is, is attributed to abraham lincoln i'm not sure he actually said it which is when i do good i feel good when i do bad i feel bad that's my religion Mm -hmm. and actually there's something sort of wisely selfish about being a use the term goody two-shoes of just sort of raising your hand and offering to do stuff in the holidays because you will feel better yeah as opposed to just the sort of constricted selfish view of how can i maximize the situation for myself yeah I have a question for you, Sharon, but you look like you might have something to say based on <laughs> the comments of others before, or...
2: No, I, I think there's something about, um, well, it's several things that, w- that were in my mind. One is we do tend to live more and more uh, in a world of curation and presentation. You know, like, many people don't put their mediocre meal up on Facebook or no. something, you know. And so I think we come together, even with these people we are very close to and we love, in that same mode, like... We have to have a presentation. And and uh, along with mindfulness exercises, I think a basic reminder consistently to oneself to be kind to oneself, you know, and, and about self-compassion. So what I thought something came up my mind when you were talking earlier, it was like I made a turkey one year. I believe it's the only turkey I've ever made. And uh, I made some big mistakes. And, and the um, marinade had uh, molasses in it. And as it turned out, I don't know what I did wrong exactly, but it came out with this thick black coating on it. The turkey—it was like a cast iron pan all oh, around no. it. It tasted fine. I mean, sort really? Of, yeah, inside it was sort of smoked a little bit, but it looked like the worst thing. Dan Goldman was there, and he called it the, the Valdez oil spill turkey. And <laughs> like all these people were taking photos of it, you know. And it's like, and I went, and it was a terrible failure. But we had so much fun, you know, as long as I could get rid of the incredible shame of like, oh, my God, my turkey looks like an oil spill. Um, And it actually did taste fine, you know. But we just had fun. We were there together and and it was – that was the whole point, you know, is that we'd be there together.
0: You know, I'm going to table – I'm going to shelve my – the question I have for you for a second because you raised – an interesting issue. And we do actually have one bona fide young person in the room, Kate. So I want to ask about social media because we do live in an era where the comparing mind is on steroids because we're looking at everybody's curated life on Instagram and Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. And that is triply the case during the holidays where we're looking at people in in funny sweaters and off on fancy vacations and (laughs) you know, with their families and we may not be experiencing any of those things. So do you have any advice about like social media consumption in this time or even generally?
1: You know, I I think it's um, it's not one thing, you know, that there's something really wonderful and beautiful for me of um, seeing the you know funny pictures from families and friends. I would have loved to see that, you know cast iron turkey (laughs) photo um so i think there's an opportunity for us you know to um to showcase some of the um as well you know the bloopers as well as the um picture perfect moments um i worry about people who are spending holidays alone uh when we're you know i'm posting on social media i do have a big family and we do come together for the holidays and i feel very blessed um and then i also know you know i have many friends who who don't and so um you know, when they log into their Facebook feeds or their Instagrams, it amplifies the loneliness they might feel, even if it was a, a choice to stay um, home by themselves. And sometimes it's not. So, um, you know, usually where I show them love is offline. Like I remember to, you know, try to reach out, um, just pick up the phone and call or send a text message or um, a note uh, to, to make sure that folks who aren't um, posting a bunch are, are feeling feeling good and um, and also you know to try to remember not to have my face in my phone the whole time, you know, like to actually have the experience that I'm trying to broadcast to the world and not miss it because I'm trying to get the frame right.
0: But what what do we do? I throw this question out to the group. What do we I mean, social media just presents such an interesting challenge because we do have minds that naturally compare ourselves to other Mm. homo sapiens. This is just the way it is. We are as mammals comparing ourselves to other mammals all the time. And so if you're looking on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, you're going to be seeing happy, happy pictures, carefully curated, and it's it's impossible uh, or difficult not to compare it to your own life. Does anybody have thoughts about, like, how we could structure our media diet during this time of year to avoid some of that or uh, a, a mindful way to approach social media? I don't know. I'm just throwing this out to the group.
3: I have drastically reduced my social media consumption, and I think it it, it um, came... Wasn't that because you were so
0: exercised about the
3: election? It, it was, and, and what I've found, in fact, is that um, though that was the... Initial prompt, it's it's had durable and a largely beneficial effects long after the uh, election was the the immediate cause.
0: So you found actually a happiness spike, uh,
3: dramatic, sorry. interesting. Just I'm I'm just using social media less. I still like post a picture of my kid every week or so, um, but I've I've uninstalled social media apps from my phone. Wow, and and it and I'm reading more. Hmm. I'm I'm present more. I'm I'm doing mindful walking more in the city. I'm noticing more things. But
0: that's pretty radical. I mean, I, I would have to imagine there is, since we're talking to Buddhists here, a middle way where you can <laughs> use social media. I mean, I know Sharon's very active on social media where you can use social media and yet not be miserable.
3: Yeah, but it, but it is it is designed to be addictive. And they're pretty good designers. Yeah. So, I mean, you find me the person who, who has a lot of social media uh, apps on their phone and is engaged <laughs> and doesn't check it a lot. Yeah, I mean, the if you use it, you tend to use it a lot. I think social media is actually one of those things that is kind of designed um, not to be used in moderation. Mm-hmm. It's it's designed. I mean, these guys that their whole point is to get you to spend as much of your day as you can on their website. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: so she, you're tweeting a lot, Sharon. Do you think you're addicted?
2: I also cut back radically around the time of the election, and, and since it's it was uh, different and. uh But part of what I've noticed is that, well, the the great temptation is to use it as a a platform for presentation. You know, you can also uh, really either find people and reach out or you can um, have that sense of blessing. You know, probably the things I write that are most often retweeted are simple loving kindness things Mm. like may all beings find peace you know, may all beings find happiness in the causes of happiness, and suddenly that's going everywhere. And so, you know, even in a time when someone may be feeling really lonely or cut off, that, you know, there's something about that appearing that's like, oh, not only could I be the recipient of someone else's care, I can actually be generating it, even sitting here in my apartment, you know, Mm. wishing I had a different scene. Uh, I can be generating that, and and people participate in a different way. And I, I once said to somebody, I was trying to understand social media and age and things like that because uh, there's a certain age probably where um, the overwhelming temptation is not just to use it to you know show a photo of your perfect lunch or something like that but to talk about your shoulder surgery and things <laughs> like that you know and so people kind of come together in different in, in different ways but I I have also really Cut back. Although uh, I, I still tweet all the time.
3: I, mean. I, I I don't want to oversell sell my um, austerity because I, I do share. But but to Sharon's point, the most popular thing I've shared in months. If can I read it briefly? Yeah. Uh, it, it is it is not attributed to me. It is something that um, many people in Dharma circles have heard and that I heard from Tara Brock when she visited us at the Times uh, about two weeks ago. And I I won't read it in its entirety because it goes on for a while. But it starts, if you can start the day without caffeine, if you can always be cheerful, ignoring aches and pains, if you can resist complaining and boring people with your troubles, if you can eat the same food every day and be grateful for it. And it goes on. If you can conquer tension without medical help, if you can relax without liquor, if you can sleep without the aid of drugs, then you are probably a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love it. And so it's a good reminder. These these platforms can be used to good effect. And and some people don't compare themselves to other peers. They compare themselves to animals. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I
1: think it seems to me that that oftentimes, you know, yeah, social media can be used in in wonderful ways to help organize people to, um, yeah, to just share um, wonderful moments or um, beautiful thoughts. And then also... um, Yeah, at a particular point, it stops being fun. I think within any any given social media session, my first, you know, the most fun I have is in the first five to 10 minutes. And if I'm on there much longer than that, then suddenly I'm just kind of mindlessly flipping through and clicking around. So I think, you know, for me, where mindfulness enters into this conversation is actually paying attention to, you know, am I still enjoying this or am I am I? you know, kind of following one thing after the other? Am I avoiding something that's actually happening now, you know, and kind of diving into this alternate reality? Um, And usually the way I notice that is like, yeah, I'm not feeling my body anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, you know, or there might be some like tension in my jaw. It's just, um, there's a tightening and kind of, Automaton feeling that happens that I know, like okay, it's actually time to shut this down and you know go for a walk or something. So I think being aware of, you know, is this actually still an enjoyable activity is is really helpful.
0: Excellent. Yes, for me at least, that's definitely the answer. I don't do it, but I know that I know
1: it's not enjoyable, and I continue to do the same thing. Yes.
0: No, I'm 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 a junkie. Um, But Sharon, what I was going to ask you earlier, we've kind of touched on a little bit, but loneliness, huge problem during the holidays. Um, any thoughts on, you know, how one can bring a meditation practice to bear on this issue, which can be, get really gnaw at you?
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's a terribly, terribly painful state. It's also the kind of state where, I mean, I think society um, tells us we should never feel it, you know, like to sit down and actually feel it and hang out with it and spend some time with it. Like, feeling like boredom feeling like loneliness it's just unthinkable and so we will do anything to avoid it and usually do do anything to avoid it and, and sometimes what we do is very destructive and so to actually hang in there and, and accompany that feeling with some awareness and kindness toward oneself not endlessly you know but for a few minutes anyway and,
0: so the difference between wallowing and yeah. exploring with with yeah. mindfulness I will say so yeah yeah
2: because yeah. Yeah. if you wallow in it then you're just drowning you know you're lost and, and it's It's so painful but exploring it is is kind of interesting and and sometimes you know the steps we take uh to move away are don't have to be because we like loathe the state we're in or we loathe ourselves because of we're feeling it but we we recapture some energy you know by hanging in there with it and in that energy we can reach out to someone who's really in trouble. You know, I have friends who were kind of lost and really depressed. And some of the greatest happiness they recaptured was helping others, you know, going out and volunteering in organizations, and making sandwiches for people who are homebound and, you know, ill and things like that. And, and it was genuine joy, you know. And, and even, you know, when going back to social media, you know, I've I spent some time recently with people who were kind of self- declared introverts the kind of people who say <laughs> our, our funny line was if you're in a workshop or a seminar the foremost most dreadful words you can hear are now choose a partner because <laughs> you know you have to like gaze softly <laughs> in someone's eyes really <laughs> soon and you're just going to want to die you know and if you're if you're really shy or if you're if you're uh more kind of loner in that way not necessarily lonely but you know uh more introverted and Reaching out to somebody without the sort of social anxiety of being together in the same room and having to look in one another's eyes is kind of a great thing. And uh, I would think it's, it's, a, you know, it's a good step for a lot of people.
0: Volunteering is as close to guaranteed happiness as you can come up with. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really – and it's kind of hokey. It's hard to talk about without lapsing into cliches, but it will do
3: the trick almost every time. Mm-hmm. And it's related to other things we've been talking about. I mean, volunteering at a soup kitchen is not dissimilar to volunteering to do the dishes yeah. for your family. It's, and I don't think it's in the context of the holidays so different than really focusing on the act of giving um, and and remembering that just like me, everyone's experiencing holiday stress. And if I can make it not only about mitigating my own holiday stress levels, but actually seeing what actions I can perform that might uh, relieve others' holiday stress. I think that's another useful framework um, that can help uh, both, uh, as Kate was saying, uh, you know, selfishly maybe put me in a good space, but also potentially uh, help others. And I think that can happen whether you're with your friends and family or even if you're alone.
0: So so talk about the joy of giving because again it's hard to talk about almost any of these things without sounding
3: uh, you know yeah I read I read that on a Hallmark card on my way here (laughs) right
0: right right but and yet and yet it's a real thing so when and and it's actually you can use your mindfulness which is just paying attention to notice what it feels like when you give something to somebody and actually it feels really good
3: you said it and it's a cliche Mm -hmm. because it's true but I think one one way to think about it is is to try to get out of the transactional mentality that we have that we can even have with our um our closest relations um you know this this balance sheet of of what we're giving and getting mm. over the holidays can be tyrannical in our mind and and really quite unhealthy um and I think it's particularly acute during the holiday season, but it's it, some version of it is often going on. I mean, it, even in a marriage, um, you know, who did the dishes last? Who who changed the last diaper? Th- this kind of scorekeeping can be um, really quite destructive. So what do we do about it? Well, listen, I, I, I wish I had like the magic bullet, but, but there isn't one. But one way that I find is useful to break the cycle is to try to kind of tune out the score and just focus on the, as you said, the act of giving the act of carrying and i mean it's uh, i don't know i'm actually wondering if there's this term sharon would know it is there a term for metta in action i mean because it's, it's
0: metta let me just define that metta means loving kindness in pali which is the ancient indian language that buddha spoke anyway thank, go ahead carry I, on
3: thank you dan and sharon's the expert we have the expert in the room but but it's it's the it is the i believe it comes from the same place at least in my experience when i'm practicing metta on the subway as a way to get through a tough commute it, it feel you actually do that. I do. Yeah. yeah. So um,
0: you'll be just be sending uh, loving kindness to like other people in the to, in the to subway. strangers
3: on the subway car. Very.
0: Do offended. you look like a total weirdo while you're doing this?
3: Yeah, because I'm going. I'm w- wagging my fingers in their face. It's like no. reiki massage. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, I actually uh, I, I try to do it with my eyes averted to the dirty floor. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but it's coming from the same place. I mean, the feeling I get, which is why I suspect there is kind of a poly term for it somewhere in the canon, it, 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 the the feeling in—I mean, now to also sound like a Hallmark card, like the feeling I get in my heart when I am uh, performing an action, you know, sh- purely out of benevolence um, for my family or for charity, is is very similar to the feeling I get when I'm practicing meta. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. Well, am I off here? Or are they, no, I'm, I don't are they, know. Do they have the same root word?
2: Well, I, and part of my response was, I wonder if compassion is the word for loving kindness in action, mm. in effect, you know. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, oh, I'm going to give you some word, and then it's going to be on that site. Like, Buddha never said this. <laughs> There's a big red stamp on it. Like, no! <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> um, but it's beautiful, you know, everything you said. And part of what I'm the teaching is, about generosity or giving is that the best kind of generosity comes from a sense of inner abundance. Mm. You know, it's not because you feel obliged, it's not because people are watching, it's not because it's the season, you know. Uh, but there's something in you that feels like there's enough or you have enough or uh, an abundance and it's just this natural kind of sharing impulse. And it works the other way. When you practice generosity or service, you practice helping. Even for a moment, reunites you with that sense yeah. inside yourself. You don't mm-hmm. feel insufficient or broken or not enough or or deficient or you know. And so it's a beautiful practice because it does bring you back, even momentarily, to that place, and you can abide there more and more.
1: Yeah, and yeah. it's a practice that predates the greeting card industry. <laughs> I just to yeah. say that, we should actually yeah. Good point. R- reclaim that.
2: But you know what? I also thought. I thought maybe <laughs> the ho- part of the greatness of the holiday season is that we can talk like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that sounds like completely bizarre. <laughs> like, you know, may the blessings of your life abound. You know, Happy New Year. Or we can say that to one another.
0: As they say at Amica, empathy is our best policy. Whether you need auto, home or life insurance, they're ready to help you protect the things that matter most to you. They're a mutual company, customer owned, in service to you. Amica representatives are here when you need them, and you can take comfort knowing a real person will be there on the phone to take care of you because the greatest measure of their success is your satisfaction. You can count on T-Mobile to help keep you connected after investing billions to light up their network from big cities to small towns. T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network network. Okay, let me ask you about an area where I know that sometimes we all, uh, you do a lot of this, um, traveling. And sometimes traveling can provoke sort of murderous impulses. Um, uh, So I just want to go around the horn here, start with you. Um, Tips for not losing your mind when traveling, and um, let's even just keep in mind parents from whom traveling is triply hard.
2: Yes, I mean it's not triply hard for people who are sitting in the same cabin as the parents (laughs) of the kids, but it's hard. I mean, there, there's some of the basic things like remember to breathe, and I always try to remember the humanity of the person that I'm speaking to because it's sometimes hard. You know, they're the ones delivering the message that we're going to sit here on the runway. Hard to say why, <laughs> but you know, uh, the other week I spent the night in Dallas at the airport hotel because my first flight was 45 minutes late, and so by you know there was no time to catch the the connecting flight and and i realized you know you, you could easily spend the whole night like fretting about the fact that you're in dallas Well you could say i'm in dallas for the night It's <laughs> a barbecue you know? <laughs> i didn't think of that you know but it was like you know the airline had my big bag i was like i felt free you know kind of unencumbered um and it is it's just like resilience it's that constant adjustment uh but the the biggest thing i have seen is really honoring the humanity of the people cuz it's I once uh I was teaching in Ireland and somebody told me a story about this Irish guy was traveling in America and they lost his luggage and he missed his connection, this whole thing and so he being who he is, he pulled out his travelling banjo and he serenaded the person that he was dealing with and uh like three or four days later I was in France and they lost my luggage. And I both did not have a travelling banjo nor was I in the mood. Uh but I remembered him. And I thought, you know what, she's doing the best she can. And
0: I just treated her differently, I think. Kate, any thoughts about how to deal with travel?
1: Expect delays. (laughs) I think it's like the good kind of expectation to have during the holidays. Um, Yeah, everybody's trying to shuffle around, you know, and everybody wants to get there on time. And everybody's got somebody waiting for them. And um, most of us will experience delays and um, I think going into it with some kind of reasonable sense of, I don't know, perspective, right, that we'll get there eventually. And um, it helps to carry snacks if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're like me. And um, I like the way you think. You know, avoid the hangries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, um, uh, I could travel with you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I learned it from my mom friends, you know, mm-hmm. um, Ziploc baggies of dried fruit and, mm-hmm. and baby carrots. Um, I mean, again, you know, things that could sound hokey at other times of year, but seeing what there is what there is available to enjoy in the journey. You know, if there's a good book, if there's a you know funny kid in the waiting area, um, if there's a halfway decent restaurant or I don't know, you know, whatever it brings uh, makes it work for for each of us. I think um, I often like to just kind of sit back and watch the movement of people. Um, there's something kind of dance-like about the, you know, the fast and the slow, and the, you know, um, big groups and the single people, and um, you know, it's yeah, the sense of oh wow, we're all in it together, um, which I don't often have the time to sit and observe when I'm when I'm I'm one of the rushing ones. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Nice. As much as anything I can think of, travel, especially a- airport travel exposes the illusion of control yes that we i was have just thinking about over that. our own lives yeah. uh, so often it, it, be it in our personal lives or our professional lives or our social lives we we really fool ourselves into thinking that it, it's all up to us and travel just makes it clear that it's just not the case uh, we we exist in a dynamic interconnected world that um frankly can at times just pay little regard to your schedule and your next flight time and i think that's an opportunity as much as it's a pain in the ass to reflect on impermanence really i mean you know just to get kind of meta meta not meta right. about M-E-T-A. it yeah uh, it's 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 an opportunity to just reflect on the the degree to which we are kind of uh, beings moving through space in a in a very complex way, uh, and and marvel at it. And uh, it, if done kind of with appropriate perspective, in a good mood, that can potentially loosen our grip uh, and our attachment on specific actions happening uh, at specifically the right time, mm-hmm. um, and things going exactly how we want them to. And then it really helps if you have snacks, if you get delayed.
0: Yes, well said on all counts. All right, so two more things I want to go around the horn on here. And any, anybody can jump in at any time, just so you know. Okay. Uh, there's no rules here. Um, uh, so we'll go around the opposite direction. I'll start with you, David. Office parties. People freak out about office parties. you got awkward interactions with your boss. You drink too much and you act like an idiot. Uh, there's an enormous amount of food and you eat too much of it. Um, there, this is filled with landmines. So any thoughts on... on Harnessing the power of one's meditation practice, uh, whatever stage it's at, to navigate the office party.
3: Well, mine is tomorrow night, so I'll let you know how it goes.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: listen, I think I've I I read this on a Hallmark card. Stay true to your principles. What are your values? And I think that's that's something that uh, we probably don't check in with ourselves and uh, routinely enough about. But going into a... Dynamic situation like that, where there's probably going to be a lot of temptation, before you walk in there, just ask yourself, you know, w- what are my values and can I stay true to those? And I suspect the answer, uh, you know, you may value dancing, but you may not value dancing on the table. And you, you may value um, a, a good drink.
0: Unless your initials are Kate Johnson.
3: Yeah. <laughs> But you may not value twelve drinks. Right. right. <laughs> uh, and so check in. Just check in with yourself and, and set the intention to stay true to your values before you walk into that holiday party.
1: No, that's great. I mean, and even though um I, I won't say that I've never danced on a table, um, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of, you know, personally in a funny position because um I I do observe the fifth precept um in Buddhism, which is this um no intoxicants. Yeah, and in a kind of the stricter interpretation, I mean, a lot of people are Buddhists and have um, uh, read it as not getting intoxicating. But um, I just tend to abstain, and so, um, so yeah, office parties can be a little a little weird and awkward. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I often um, just ask myself what my purpose is there. You know, it's to often to you know, to celebrate our achievements over the year, to connect with people I haven't been able to connect with often. Um, and then when I've achieved those purposes, it's time for me to go. <laughs> um, and uh, so I find that to be really um, kind of helpful to kind of check in. And I also I also check in before I go to see if there's any, you know um, – I think of them as like pre-existing conditions that I'm carrying. Like, is there a resentment that I have against someone that, you know, I you know might want to really tell them off this time of year? Is there, you know, some neediness I have to be acknowledged by a particular Mm -hmm. person at work? And Mm -hmm. it's not like I have to push those things away. But just to be aware that at a time like the holidays when there's lots of drinks going on, you know, whether we're drinking or not, um, we're kind of vulnerable to wanting to, you know, with the holidays and especially the new year, like wrap it up in some way. And that some things just don't need to be wrapped up at the holiday office party <laughs> you know it's like better to wait for january 2nd or whenever um to to uh, start again
0: it's funny as you uh, i'll give sharon a chance to speak here but as listening to you speak about holiday the two of you talk about holiday parties uh, we have a lot of them here because every show has its own party wow and i basically skip them all <laughs> it's, it's a avoidant behavior uh-huh. and i got i got kind of uh, talking to you about going to this one particular party this year, which I'm going to go to, but like my tactic is I just don't go. I don't know what's going on there because I'm a social person. I'm, um, it's just, I'm, I guess I'm lazy or what? I, I, I also don't drink, not mm-hmm. because I'm a good Buddhist, but just because um, I can't handle it. Um, uh so, yeah, I often find them kind of boring and painful in yeah. some ways.
1: Well, if you don't drink, there's a certain time when, um, I mean, for me, I start to get annoyed and I can't figure out why. I'm like, why is everyone talking slow? Why? Yeah, and then yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, people are getting a little wasty pants. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's like, you know, um Yeah. Usually time for me to exit at that point.
0: Great use of the term wasty pants. I tried I to work to in it. That, that was my personal that. intention. <laughs> for she coming in here, Walmart I said,
1: card. if I can work in the word wasty pants, then I have done my job. You
0: are staying true to your principles. <laughs>
1: you know, I like examine my is... values.
0: You
2: that
1: on a Hallmark
2: card. That's
0: the kind of Hallmark card I might actually like.
2: Now the font of all wisdom. I'm going to go to the drugstore. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't have an office, you know, but <laughs> listening to you, I thought, oh, I missed a party recently. Do well, you're the interdependent. Yeah, we had a holiday <laughs> I party that. yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the
0: Interdependence Project is a uh, meditation group here in New York City.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because I'm associated with so many meditation groups here in New York City. There are a spate of holiday parties running from galas, some of which I've also missed being on an airplane, and uh, to smaller, more raucous, you know. Uh, but I also don't drink, and i I actually don't feel odd about that, you yeah. know, like I just there's always somebody in the room who's not drinking for a very you know serious reason, and I just feel well they shouldn't be the only one you know mm. why should they why should they be the only one?
0: any tips for surviving uh, uh or navigating office parties given the
2: uh i wouldn't feel obliged to stay a certain length of time <laughs> mm. you know like I think it's it's a little bit like um In a funny way. It's like the advice we sometimes give people when they're leaving a retreat and they're going back home and they're gonna see their partner or they're gonna see their sister or some friend. It's like basically people just wanna know you're okay and that you love them. You don't have to go into excruciating detail about on your retreat on the third night, you know, this happened or you know that's what they wanna know. You're there, you care about them, and that you're cool. And I think you can show up at such a scene long enough to convey that to the people you want to be communicating with. You know, hey, here we are together. Isn't that cool?
0: Now, peace. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so my, here's my last question. We'll go back around this way. And But, again, this is anybody can jump in at any time. Resolutions. Yes. And the resolution that I'm most concerned with is uh, I want to start meditating in the new year. Um, a lot of people set this as a resolution and it's a very hard resolution to keep. Why is that, and what practical tips would you give people who want to keep this resolution?
2: I think a year is an awfully long time. No, I mean, uh, just in the new year. It, well, in the new year's fine, you know, but I think that's part of it. I think it's it's seeing what's realistic and packaging one's intention or resolution, whatever it is for a length of time. you know that if you say "I'm gonna sit every day all year, not going to happen if you say i'm gonna I'm gonna sit every day for two weeks." and then re up if i want to that that's a very different thing and i i think that there's um you know there's the aspiration which i think should be really big and usually, usually i think of our aspirations are too small uh it's not just that i'm going to sit every day but i'm going to really um explore myself in different ways you know i'm going to get to know myself in in different ways and this is going to be a part of it and so, it's like having the aspiration be really big and broad. And, and then within that, realizing there might be some days that that's one minute, you know, and other days is 20 minutes. A minute so, counts. A minute counts.
0: I agree. Kate, any thoughts? I'm sure people ask you as a meditation teacher, that people ask you all the time, like, how do I get started? And uh, and this time of year, a lot of people are setting this as a resolution. So, any thoughts on anything that people can use to, to, to create a durable habit here?
1: I think if it's possible to actually make physical space in your home where meditation happens um, and to, um, you know, just go, even if you can't bear to meditate, just go sit there every once in a while. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's not always possible given people's um, living situations. But I found that just having the space that is, um, for me... Feels like a special place. Um, I try to make it beautiful in a way it doesn't have to be fancy, you know, but if it's a couple of, you know, cut flowers or pictures of people I love, um, things that also remind me uh, why I meditate, uh, quotes from people who inspire me, Um, you know, have it feel like something that I want to do. I think that same thing goes with having a length of time that feels appropriate, having an approach to practice that feels like, you know, not like a punishment time, not um, a time where I'm. Beating myself up for being stressed out, but actually a gift that I want to offer to myself—not just at the holiday season, but kind of on a daily basis. Great. Make it fun, make it beautiful, make it make it special.
3: I don't do the resolutions thing, and and I've thought, yeah, but other people do. How can you help?
1: <laughs> yeah, but
3: I I'm 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 here to to be a counterpoint. I don't <laughs> I don't necessarily think resolutions are healthy, and here's why: uh, we live already in this goals-oriented culture. And by setting specific resolutions, we again are setting ourselves up for this transactional success or failure mentality with with something that's about our own health and wellness uh, oftentimes. So I for I, I don't know, I've never done the news resolution thing, and that's why, because I don't want to set myself up for failure, which isn't to say that I'm, I don't have the intention and the aspiration to, to be healthy and to, to have better habits and to have a positive impact on the world in the new year. But I'm not convinced that uh, New Year's resolutions are the appropriate um, framework for me to make those changes in my life.
0: Fair enough. Fair
3: enough.
0: Um, Can I
2: ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a question, too, after you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This could get dicey. (laughs) No, I'm just thinking when when people give you feedback about the app, for example, do they say that having a program helps them stay the course with some... Something rather than, you know, sort of making it up themselves or having to find the system themselves.
0: The things we hear from app users that, about why they like it, um, there are a couple of things. One is that the dosage is small; that every day you uh, you let's, you can either go into a course or you can go onto the just meditate section and just meditate, um, and there are all sorts of lengths, and mm-hmm. so even if you're on a course, it's a short video and a short meditation, and mm-hmm. that's great. Or you can go into the Just Meditate section and do a longer one or a shorter one, so it just seems doable. The other thing is that we have this coach that's available. It's like an actual human being who's an actual meditator has been doing it a long time, and you can text that person right through the app, and they will get back to you quickly and answer your question, and I think that those two, th- those are the two things I hear mm-hmm. the most about why people you know, why we have a high retention rate. Kate? Okay. I'm peeling questions. <laughs>
1: well, it's not a personal question, but uh, although it could be, um, if you want to respond, but I was wondering if we were going to talk at all about, um, like talking with family about politics or, um, yes, that seems like a that. major yes, source of stress. Yes.
0: And, uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Oh, well, um, crap. or, or mean... <laughs> do you want You want Sharon
0: to hold forth on it?
1: <laughs> I was hoping auntie Sharon would enlighten <laughs> us about how she works with it. I mean, I, you know, my family's like a mixed bag and, uh, I'm on the more politically radical side of, um, you know, progressive leftist radical side of of things. Um, But uh, not everyone in my family is. And I've really been, I guess my tactic in past years has been to not talk about politics to avoid the topic and just love people for who they are.
0: It's like my not going to office parties.
1: Right. Not exactly, but (laughs) 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 close. But um, I... uh,
0: but it's avoidant. Yeah, That's it's avoidant my behavior. Is, yeah. yeah,
1: it's and and I'm and I feel like it actually um, it it might have been unwise. You know, I'm wondering if there there um, isn't more that I could have done or should have done to have conversations with um, with people who have at the end of the day similar values and. Um, Make very different conclusions about what that means in terms of their, of their political engagement. Um, yeah, Sharon,
0: Sharon, you have any thoughts? I think it's a great uh, question.
1: It is a great question. I'm looking right. We, at we David, probably you know? should have. Been, we probably should.
0: Honestly, we probably should have addressed it earlier on. It's a. It's a fantastic yeah. question.
2: Well, I mean, I think you know, it's a difficult conversation for many people to have. Um, it's always good to look at your motivation. You know, are you trying to talk somebody? Are you trying to persuade somebody? to your point of view that's probably hopeless Um, I think there's something and it depends on the nature of the relationship how vulnerable do you want to be you know if it's the kind of relationship where you're okay being truly vulnerable then you can be truly honest you know like I'm scared or whatever you know I, I find myself feeling this about what I think is likely to happen and you know, it's not in every relationship where you want to disclose something like that, but um it it's usually more skillful rather than, you know, I find your point of view repugnant <laughs> and I believe it's the downfall of civilization. So thank you so much for the coming apocalypse. Right. You know, I mean it it's it's revealing what what one is feeling and if unless you and if you're feeling triumphant, happy and you know, that's what you, you reveal, even in a situation where maybe not everyone is gonna
4: mm.
2: agree with you. And so, um you know, it depends. But I, I think that's really the cornerstone is seeing your own intention and and feeling out what seems
3: most appropriate or skillful in that context. Mm. I'm just reminded that we we in the election stress podcast touched on how charged this can be to have dialogue with someone in the opposing party. Because it, it's, it's, not a, it's not that we like different sports teams, it's that we fundamentally believe that the uh, decisions that are gonna be made by uh, the other party um, are, are damaging and are gonna increase suffering mm-hmm. for all sorts of people. Like millions and millions of sentient beings could get really harmed by certain policies. Yeah, that's and ideal. So, and, and so when w- that's not easy to resolve. Right. That's like really tough. And that's not something that I that is easy to work with or sweep under the rug. So I don't have a good answer. I mean, that's and and when someone in your family holds that view, I don't know what to do. I I, I just don't. I mean, this is we're like reaching the the event horizon of, of my of, of my acquired Buddhist wisdom. <laughs> it's like I don't, we've we've reached the limit. Well, you know, what do be, you do? Really? No, no. Go ahead.
1: Well, you know, just hearing you talk, I think like, oh, it might actually be a. Um, A moment where we bring in, where we look for complementary wisdom to support the Buddhist wisdom. Um, As as you were talking, I was remembering something that, um, are you all familiar with the organization Surge? It's um, showing up for racial justice. It's an organization and they did this um, kind of Thanksgiving holiday toolkit. And I think they even had like a, a helpline where they had kind of um, <laughs> where you could text people if you were having a difficult conversation about race and racism and they would respond to you with like support, live support around talking yeah, to awesome. your, your, you know, I wonder if they're doing it again for Christmas. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything, but um, but they did have this kind of question and answer toolkit where there were like hypothetical kind of questions from or, or statements that you might encounter with family members who... Um. Yeah, who voted in a way that that um, you know for me makes me feel you know it seems like not so much of a, a partisan issue as it does a human rights issue. Um, the the Trump presidency to me, and so um to to try to get it beyond you know. Party lines and start to talk about well, what do we actually care about, um, and how can we show the, the people that we care about, the communities that we care about, that we care about? But
0: well, well, one thing I would say, you know, the, the, one of, some of the best advice I've gotten in in meditation is the power of interest slash curiosity. Yeah. So I actually think this is uh, applicable in these conversations, especially for me as a journalist. You know, to to just be curious about what is the what are the views on both sides and um if you actually do that with a genuinely open mind or as close as you can come to an open mind you may learn something and um so i I, that's what i would say and i found that that skill which i think is one of the few parts of meditation that comes naturally to me because i'm a journalist of Mm. just wanting to know more about everybody's views um can make these discussions much more fruitful and interesting the only other thing I'd say is that I think part of the answer to your question is something you yourself said earlier which is actually the the, and again this is going to sound a little hokey here but the body is a great feedback Mm -hmm. mechanism and so you're having these conversations and if you're actually like if you have a scintilla of self-awareness you'll see oh like I'm starting to freak out here you know like my chest is buzzing you know my face is turning red or whatever that's just a great way to know okay maybe I need to steer the conversation in a different direction or maybe I'm about to say something that could you know create a permanent rupture in my relationship with my uncle or whatever Right. Um, I just find that really useful I don't I'm not great at doing it but it is it is a real tool that you can use
1: totally I think that's awesome you know that and that's, I think, the benefit about talking about political stuff with family members, even when they have opposite views, is that oftentimes, even when we piss each other off, I mean, this is how it is at my family. We're not abandoning each other. You yeah. know? We're, yeah. we're still going to come back together next year. And so I don't ever have I don't really have that kind of. Container of love around many of the conversations I have with people with opposing political right. Views. So it's
0: a real opportunity to learn there because you have the container of love. You actually may be willing to like probe further for both of us. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I hope so. And I think you can, you know, we can take it away from that kind of um, topmost level of like who did you vote for and why. Right. And I think that's important. Um, you know, when you said issues and, and even. More than that, the stories—it's like the lived reality of people, you know, who are maybe facing this or facing that, or you know, whose life prospects have changed with mm-hmm. the results of the election, and yeah, and you know, that's the interesting conversation. That's really something I'm curious about. You know, like how how do you feel about that? You know, I mean, was that something that moved you, but you couldn't you couldn't just based a choice on that there were other things or or do you not see it the way I see it you know is it is it different you know
3: and, and, and yet I don't think it's fair to discount avoidance as a legitimate tactic here. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and, I, I don't disagree and, and no I'm serious because if if that conversation if both parties are so entrenched in their views and yeah, the, exactly. it's not going to be a useful yeah. or productive conversation so I, I think it's uh, I was I had the thought, avoid, that's where, that's avoid, where the, oh, avoidance
0: and. That's uh, where the feedback from the body becomes useful. Right. Mm-hmm.
3: I'm going to avoid this particular conversation, and I am n- also going to find a way to put my values into action. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
3: But, but it doesn't have to be in trying to convince my uncle that he's an yeah. idiot. Yeah.
1: Timing might be helpful, too. You know, as you mentioned, like, r- instead of... You know, after dinner when everyone's doing shots or something like, you know, like on a morning walk or like, you know, mm-hmm. that there might be mm-hmm. a, a sensitivity to, is this a good time to bring this up um, rather than kind of going in with an agenda?
0: I mean, the the Buddha had useful things to say about this. Say we, that which is true, that which is useful and say it at the right time. Mm-hmm. And and I, I find, you know, why I like Buddhism is not because I, uh, you know, I'm particularly into like lotus flowers and and patchouli it's because (laughs) the dude had lots of practical advice that if you follow actually you can see in the laboratory of your own mind that it actually can work for you if you if you follow it that's the that's the big if
3: for the record dan reeks of patchouli right now. yeah i was just gonna say
1: and i brought you a lotus flower as a gift (laughs) incense is filling the room
3: on that note
0: uh i do want to say speaking of uh, new year's resolutions and also of speaking of generosity little self-promotional announcement here that, that actually uh, Joseph Goldstein has been pushing me and my company to do for a long time, make the 10% Happier app giftable. We now have done that. Thank you. There is a website called gifts.10percenthappier.com. You can go there. You can give the app to anybody you want. Uh, so uh, go for it. It might help somebody make a uh, New Year's resolution actually come to fruition. Uh, guys, thank you very much. Really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Special, special thanks to to Kate, who uh, has never met me before. I emailed <laughs> you out of the blue like yesterday and said, "Come on this podcast with a bunch of people you don't know." Uh, and uh, she knows me, <laughs> a- except for Sharon. And you, you like aced it. You're you're a star. So thank thank you. you very much. Really appreciate it. And happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank, thank you. Well. See
2: you in the next stressful interlude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you like ten percent happier, and I hope you do. Uh, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com slash survey.
5: I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition.
4: Join me, DJ Few, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the new Kids and Family Podcast.